A podcast about trying. What was just okay about today? Today? I always say today, but it's been a week, so well, you can go. Through. I have something for both. Okay. Today, the most just okay thing was that I stayed home, quote, sick from work. You were under the weather. I am under the weather. So that's the most just okay thing about today. The week, though, is that I am four days in. And this is kind of my homework, but I'm oh, four yeah. days into no coffee. It's and rough. I think it might be why I got sick. <laughs> I need this, the offspring of the sun and the soil coming together and making love tell into the, coffee. Tell the folks about the picture that you have up in your office that I gave you. Oh, I have a picture of a coffee cup with roots growing out of it into the soil. We've often talked about the coffee bean being the love child of the sun and the soil and all the energy and yeah other stuff it gives us i guess so but I've, now i've been bereft what? of my love child <laughs> for four days and yeah it's, i saw that on like etsy or something a really long time ago and bought it for you and i can probably count on one hand the number of times that i have seen you drink coffee out of a coffee cup like that but it's still it gets the oh because it was like a it gets the point across it's like a very standard like a like, paper cup with yeah, like a, a standard, Starbucks like, lid or it doesn't before they got rid of straws yeah and it doesn't have like a logo on it or anything but it's like a standard Starbucks cup like that's what it looks like on the picture the picture is beautiful it's like pencil drawing type thing anyway um, yeah I think you're detoxing. Like, I think you did, like, a mini reset, a mini Whole30 reset. Yeah, sort of by accident, because I was home with the kids alone last weekend, and yeah. we did what we do. We went to the movies. Oh, God. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. <laughs> I so badly don't want to know. Anyway, there was some things consumed that made my body feel feel not good. Right. And then I stopped on Monday. Yeah, so cold that, turkey that plus the, coffee. Yeah, that and the combination of no coffee, I think, has not been great for you. It's like keto flu, maybe, or like whole Probably. thirty flu. Whole 30 and then flu. I deadlifted on Tuesday, so maybe it's deadlift flu. I mean, too. it's all of it. The yeah. good news is I don't know that you're actually sick, which is good for the rest of the family. Hopefully, you will not infect all of the rest of us. Yeah, I think I'm sickness. fine. I'm just like exhausted. Yeah. What's just okay about for me? I always say that I get like tongue tied. What is just okay about today for me is that I have made us I've made you move into the living room to record this because I wanted to sit on the couches so what's just okay is that we're gonna hear a lot of squeaking of the couch and um, one of our children is listening to the recorded bedtime stories from my parents and my parents are so fun that they like included the dings to turn like, the page. Like, to turn the page, because they sent the books and the CD with all the recorded song or stories, which is seriously one of the greatest things we own. But when people come over, <laughs> it's always kind of funny, because they keep hearing this dinging, and they don't know what it is, and it's upstairs. So I don't know if that's going to come through on the mic either, but... Did you turn the volume? Whatever. Or the volume. They 
temperature up so that the air conditioning might not I go did. On. So, like, the air conditioning might come on, too. So, like, that's the, the setup today is just okay. <laughs> it is just okay. And you know how much I like changing places. I know you don't like to do that, but I didn't want to sit in the other room that's again. Fine. I wanted... Totally to, understandable. We need to develop a more comfortable... A studio. We should do it downstairs in the basement. Why have we not thought of that before? I don't know, but we should fashion some sort of oh, comfortable studio in the that's basement. That's going to be delightful when we do it that. It will be much better. And then we can talk as loud as we want. And then... I'm already going to say that that's our homework okay. for next week. Yeah, it's a new idea too. That will not be hard to do. It won't. Look at that. Developing a new idea while recording. Yeah, it's a real Just Okay podcast. It really is. Um, we should trying. probably give a shout out to our sponsors this week. We have oh. sponsors oh. for the podcast this do week. We? Uh, Los Amantes oh. Mezcal. <laughs> Um, is sponsoring my voice on the podcast and Evan Williams bourbon yeah. is sponsoring Diana. Today. Shout out to the nickels again <laughs> because the, f- did you finish it off? So I haven't finished yet. So I have, I had two drinks tonight, which for a podcast night is fairly standard. I had, um, just a vodka soda with the Stoli vodka that we have still from them. And then I also, I made myself a budget hot toddy with the Evan Williams but you bourbon. liked it. Yeah, it was good. That's right. I made my one last night because I was sick and I was doing it medicinally. Right. And I used the good bourbon and I used like a decaffeinated chai tea yeah, to mix with it. I don't know why it. you thought that was going to be because a good idea. Because I think the hot toddy is often Earl Grey tea. Oh, really? And then you pour a shot of bourbon in it. And like you can put oranges and cloves and cinnamons and, and other things in it. But I think that that's at least the first one I ever had was actually Earl Grey tea. I had no idea. Yeah, so first I thought, one I ever had ever had was with, with Jose, Jose, right? Yeah. Oh, funny. So I thought I maybe adding it was just too much going on, but it what did it make was. me feel better, yeah, at least initially. Yeah, I don't know. I have probably maybe a couple of shots left of the Evan Williams. I'll keep working on it. My mom used to drink hot, just hot water with lemon, and I remember as a kid loving that so much. So basically, that's just what I had with a shot of bourbon. Well, with just some actual medicine. Which in is it. Great. Yeah. Tasted delicious. And it's getting, it's actually not hot, or I mean, it's not cold at all outside. It's still disgustingly hot. We're drinking hot toddies. We're drinking hot toddies, and I made chili for dinner. Like, we are bringing on fall, whether fall is coming or not. And it's so dark and dreary outside that it seems like it would be colder. It's just the hurricane. Yeah, it's super (laughs) hot and, I mean, it's super hot, but very humid still. Anyway, so yeah, that's, that's the just okay about the things and our sponsors don't and forget our sponsors sorry yeah. always gotta think yeah, of sponsors. always always gotta do that what were your ideas this week so i went to boston last weekend and did an instagram fast oh yeah yeah so my my friend Coralie, who i actually did not record with Coralie, um and i regret that that was your homework that was my homework and i regret not doing that and i regret even more she had a friend who was living with her for a while who is basically like just a traveler and her name is Leah, and she was super awesome. And that was actually the biggest reason why I was sad. I didn't bring the mic because well, talking to Leah about just okay traveling would have been amazing. So that that will happen. These are people that are not leaving my life anytime soon. So that that'll happen. But I so I went up there, and Corley and I often will rant and rave about Instagram and social media in general. And last time we were together, we sat on the couch. We did what she calls silent bonding where 
you sit on the couch and you don't talk to each other at all, but you're like totally connecting. And we did that where we went through everyone that we followed on Instagram. Everyone? Yeah, we went through our entire lists. And um, they're not that long, right? Because according to Andrew, you have to follow less people than follow you. So I'm, my ratio is off right now. It is. Yeah, I kept I keep following all these tattooers, and like I can't oh, stop. No, I'm pretty well. Once he shamed after he shamed me last spring, I got pretty well under the the ratio. So anyway, we went through everyone that we follow, and anyone that we have like a negative feeling about, or just like we're not into it, or the people that just don't ever post. We just unfollowed everyone. So anyway, when I got there on Friday, we started talking about it again. And I was saying how I'm addicted to Instagram. And she's like, let's do it. Let's do it right now. Let's get rid of the app. And let's like not do it. So I had to actually delete the app from my phone. She does not. She only, she's not addicted to Instagram. She only logs in or like logs in. Who actually logs into anything? She only opens. <laughs> that's annoying if you I do know. have to log in because oh, who remembers the password? That's going to keep you from logging in if you have to, have to actually do that. Anyway, she opens the app like once a day at most. And so for her, it was not a big deal, but she encouraged me to do it. So anyway, I took a break for the weekend and it was good. And since I got back, I'm, I'm sure it will slip back into the old habits. Right. But since I got back, like I have had less Instagram has had less of a hold on me than it had before. I should have gone another day. My fast nearly lasted a week. I went from Friday morning. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you deleted also. Yeah, Yeah. I deleted Twitter, Instagram and Facebook for my phone. And it lasted until yeah. today. I mean, that Facebook's not difficult. Um, I don't go on that often. Twitter, I still haven't put back on. I mean, not. I don't. It just makes me angry. So I don't keep Twitter on my phone anyway because I just will check it on my computer. It's a more convenient way to read it anyway, and it's just my news source. So I'm a little bit better about yeah, when I check in. The only thing is that that is where I also get my MMA news, and when I'm not on Twitter, you do miss a lot of stuff with MMA, and one would argue. Who cares? And that's and you gotta also have kind of true. You have to have things that you live for. I know. Well, it's funny because that's such a not mainstream sport at the moment that like there was a huge pay-per-view and apparently one of the best cards of the year on last Saturday. And because I didn't have Twitter on my phone, I didn't know any of the results because it's just not out there. People aren't, unless you know someone specifically that's watching it and talking about it, it's just like you have to search it out to, to get search that information. Search it up. Anyway, so that was mine idea. I guess that wasn't really an idea, but just, you know, just the getting rid of it, all the apps and all the stuff is just constantly. An yeah, idea. it was good. I mean, I think I, I like actually, I drew pictures. Yeah. You like did stuff. I didn't really do stuff. I drew with pictures. My I wrote a little bit time. more, um, which is where my idea comes from. I was actually doing a little more of my homework from the week previous and reading some of my old readings today yeah you did a lot um, specifically to talk about our topic today but one of the other things was constantly talking about leaving civilization and the damage of civilization and this last week before I started reading those things it was coming back to me in just this very strong way that and not so much leaving civilization and going living living in the woods yet that may, that may become necessary at yeah, some point. I believe that it will. But initially, like, just kind of backing away. So social, taking social media, like, backing away from social media, making better financial choices, like, not being such a consumer, like, those kind of things. I feel like there are a lot of interim steps that can be taken before you have to move out into the woods. And so I wrote a bunch about that and... I don't know what that means yet, but something that I we, need to pursue a little bit further. We need to earmark that as a as a future topic conversation because 
we were talking before when we were testing out the mics in this new setup that like the mic singular that's part of the problem (laughs) that is part of the problem um that you you brought up the spending and how like we can do a better job of not spending on certain things because we really would rather like save up for other stuff xyz leaving civilization whatever it is but then on the other hand i have this whole like the yolo mentality of like but why not like this is anyway I don't want to get into the whole conversation now, but we, this is why we should okay. earmark this and talk about this at some other time, because I am constantly plagued with those two thoughts of, I want to save for this ideal thing that I think I want, but then also I don't have that right now. I have my life right now and YOLO, memento mori as those yes. in the know of I don't, our tattoos. Yes. Yellow. Um, I, right. We should talk about it another time. Um, so stay, t- stay, stay tuned, tuned for that. Yeah. Um, one of my other ideas was at, my, at therapy last week, my therapist asked me to start asking a question of us. How are we? Oh, right. Um, I think that led to some good discussion. It did. And I we forgot. need to revisit again. We do. Because I went away and so it sort of halted. She asked me like, well, I was telling her that we talk about a lot about a lot of different things, but we not, don't. Not to interrupt you, but as a side note, have we discussed what your therapist's name is? <laughs> I, maybe. I don't know. My therapist's name is Diana. With two ends, it's totally different. It's totally different. It's not even the same name. It's nope, two ends. It's totally different. Um, it is. It does. It is funny. Though. Anyway, we were talking about how much we communicate, and she asked, "When do we talk about the relationship?" And I didn't have a good answer, except for. When there's a problem, which is, I think, when most people talk about their relationship. And so she encouraged me to ask the question, how are we? Not yeah. during times of crisis. And she used that term, term loosely. Right. right. Um, anyway, so that was another idea. Something that was to super implement. awesome. No, it was a great question, I think. Um, do you have any other ideas? I have one more idea. I don't have any My last ideas. idea was about <laughs> a Mormon scripture that talks about oh. the natural man. <laughs> Oh, goodness. This was a very funny... We also have... We should compile the list of, of text missed communications. Not missed. Oh, yeah. Not missed communications. Missed communications. I said... Because this should be on the list of the Ben and I text virtually all day long every day. And so every once in a while, somebody texts something that the other one does not understand. And in this case, it was very bizarre. He was going down some, you were going down some rabbit hole. Of the of natural this. man. So the script, the, the, the verse from the Mormon scripture is the natural man is an enemy to God. And I've had various interpretations of this verse from when I was Mormon to recently not Mormon. And now I have a new interpretation. Um, and I, when I was referring to it to her, so, I said, Joe wrote. Yeah. When or, Joe wrote, blah, blah, blah. Or no, 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 no. You said when Joe said. Okay. So this is on a Saturday. I knew that you had spent Friday night. No, sorry. This was Sunday. I'm confusing everyone and everything. On Sunday, you and I were texting about this. On Saturday night, you had spent the night with all of our neighbors. We have a neighbor named Joe. Uh, So then Sunday, we're texting about this. And you're like, when Joe said blah, blah, blah. And I was like, why? Why was our neighbor Joe? Like, what are you talking about? And you, you clarified that you meant Joseph Smith. Right. But that you like to refer to him as Joe. I do like to. It, it gives me a more familiar 
um, relationship with him. And how old was Joe when he died? He was 38. So I, until today, when... when <laughs> I, we, you were today years old. I was today years old when we asked Google how old Joseph Smith was when he died. And I, for my entire life, have thought he was 33 because that's the age that Jesus died. Oh, also for some backstory, the reason this came up is because I am turning 33 in two weeks. <laughs> and not that she's dying, hopefully not dying. No, I hope not. Uh, anyway, I had thought forever that Joseph Smith died when he was 33, the same age as Jesus, and that was a like a fantastic coincidence Seriously, so at funny. the time. But today I learned that he was 38, at least according to Google. I have not confirmed to the list, independently. Add that to the list of things about Joseph Smith that I never knew and never cared about. Right, but you were not as interested. I guess not. I don't know. And on that note, should we just yeah, get let's, right into it? Yeah, we can talk about homework later. Um, our topic for today is why we left the Mormon church. That's right. It's a, it's, a, it's a story. It's a thing. It's a very it, real part of our lives. It's a very big, complex, rambling sort of discussion yes. after a few drinks kind of thing. Right. Which is and exactly so, what's happening right now. Right. But we're going to try to consolidate and narrow the focus in right. order to hit the high slash low points rather than just rambling on a timeline of, of why, yeah. why we left. We'll miss some things. That are pretty important, I'm sure. Like, we we talked this morning, like we often do, on the day that we're going to record about what we want to talk about. And and so that prompted us to think about it and look stuff up and try to sort of nail down as many dates as we could. Or at least figure out, like, the, the natural progression of how things went. But it's hard. We, I don't like to write in a journal, so I did write in a journal some most of my journal entries are sort of a check-in with what I believed at any given time. And it's very interesting to see that change. Um, one of the most interesting things about that journal is that the particular book, like the actual physical journal, I started in 2002 when I was 17 years old and could not have been more devoted to being a Mormon. It was I don't have a single journal entry and I didn't read many because I have such an aversion to writing my, reading my own stuff. But I, I, there wasn't a single entry that didn't have a a mention in some way of God, Jesus, reading my scriptures, saying my prayers, going to the temple, something. I mean, it was just, it was in everything I did. And, and once upon a time, that's where it started. Right. So that journal in and of itself, like I won't throw it away. I, I think I have thrown other old journals away. I won't throw this one away. And if my kids are ever interested, it will be incredible to see the shift from 2002 till whenever I finish this thing or don't finish this thing. I mean, the, the most recent, I don't think I've written in it since 2017. Um, and I started a new book, I think in 2018 or something. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Well, as much as I write, I only had like yeah. three or four entries in like the last, the relevant five years. I only had like four or five entries that talk about the church or leaving or faith crisis, transition, struggle, waking up, whatever you want to call the thing that happened. I don't have that many entries either. And I think part of that was that 
It's just you just don't talk about no, it. No, you don't talk about it. And it's super painful to talk about it and super painful to write about. And I know that there were times that I thought about it or started to write about it that I probably just dissolved into tears and then didn't. Right. Especially like now, like we love to talk about it and write I about it. Talk and, about it literally all day long. Right. Day. But at the time when it's going on, there's so much fear and worry and concern and like to some extent feeling like you're not adequate because you're having these doubts and problems and issues, whatever you want. I mean, at the time what you call them that you don't write about it, you don't share about it, which is part of the problem. One of the other reasons that this topic has come up again, we've always wanted to talk about this on the podcast because this is a major part of who we are today and why we are who we are today was that a friend of mine asked me through Facebook messenger, Hey, um, if you're okay talking about it, I don't know why you left the church. Would you be, and this is, yeah. I, I presume an active person I in the church. I assume uh, so also. And they asked me. And so today I spent, um, a couple hours writing three different emails about why yeah, I she left. Does, yeah. She does not know what she got herself <laughs> right. into by asking you that question, but. Well, I've been meaning to write this down right. and like document this, this process for a long time. And so. It was good for me, and I'm glad she asked, and I'm grateful for anyone that asked me that question, because I'm more than willing to share, and I feel like it helps me be known. It helps me communicate myself to other people, and I'm very interested, in, actually, in her reaction to those I am things, too. because I don't know that I've ever shared this, at least in that detail, or that vulnerable with someone that is still an active Mormon. So I have... Um, I don't know how detailed, but I can remember there have been two people. One is a, I guess you call her my ex-sister-in-law. It seems weird. I still consider her my sister, but my brother's ex-wife um, sent me a message a, a couple years back and asked me like why we left or what was going on. And her response was wonderful. She was wonderful. She is wonderful. And um, another friend, like a childhood friend, so... When we moved houses a year ago, we switched wards and that we switched into the ward that I actually grew up in. So there's a lot of people that we still know. And anyway, so she was one of the people that was like, hey, I noticed that you are not coming to church. What's the deal? And I told, and her response was also great. Like, I... I don't know. I'm sure there are people that are met with like hateful, mean messages. Um, we actually have not had that experience. We've kind of, and and we'll, so either we've had we have had some negative experiences, but not we haven't had a innocent, well-meaning person ask us our story and then be rude. Right. We've avoided. I feel like a lot of those opportunities too. Sure. Uh, that's fair. That's not to say that we would not be more than willing to share. Okay. That's okay, enough sorry. of a preamble. Yes, enough of the rambling. So to start. we're gonna ask some specific questions to try to get to narrow this down. Focus it a little. So, what are the experiences that led you to leave the church? Would you like me to go first? If you want to, I can go first. Mine's probably earlier than yours. Okay, then you go first. So the first thing, and we can kind of hop back and forth, or I can give all of mine. No, that's fine. We can hop. Um, my first experience was. Prop 8 in California in 2013, no, 2008. 2008. Right. The church was campaigning against and ask, no, campaigning for Prop 8, which was to ban same-sex marriage and asking members to participate in that campaign, both financially and with, I don't know, 
actions, knocking doors, political movement. The fact that the church was involved in a political thing is a problem in and of itself for me. But the real issue I was having is that I remember this going on and hearing about it and hearing the stories coming out. The members were being asked to participate. And I told you at the time, and I don't even know if you remember this. I only, only from you retelling it, but I don't actually have a memory. But I remember saying, I don't know if I could do that. If the church asked me to campaign against same sex marriage, I grew up, I don't know like everybody else or not, but I grew up thinking homosexuality was a sin. It was a choice. It was a perversion, a deviant action. And I don't know what at, at what point, but at some point I started to have some empathy and compassion for people that that are that way. I don't even know how you say it. Well, in Mormon terms, you say same people sex who attraction. have same-sex attraction. Who suffer from same-sex same attraction. Right, but... Make no mistake about it. In normal it terms, just people that people that are have a... Uh, normal people who... Who have a have, range of sexual have attractions. Have a range of sexual, sexuality. Right. So... Anyway, I, I don't know how exactly I developed that compassion or empathy, understanding that if they could not get married, they could not live in a relationship where they would have the human and biological need uh, for love met. Right. And so I was, I was uncomfortable with the fact that I might be asked to campaign against that. Yeah. And it hadn't, I don't want to say it had nothing to do with LGBTQIA people. Plus, right. I don't know if it was necessarily that as much as it was that I was doubting the leadership of the church and what they were telling me to do. And I did not feel comfortable. I did not feel like it was even Christ-like. Yeah, to, it's not. To, right, right. <laughs> I, I did not feel like it was Christ-like to take those actions. Right. And so that was, that, that's my first experience. And, and I will say that it was five years later before anything sort of came of right. that. But that was, but just that was my initial... Little... It was the first time I'd ever doubted first the leadership. First little box on the shelf. Right. It was the first time I had said, I don't know if I can support the leadership of the church because I don't Absolutely. know if I don't agree with what they're doing. Right. So my first, so it's good that you did that one because that was 2008. And then really nothing really like rocked the boat or like caused any question of any kind or anything until 2013, which is really like, 2013, 14, and 15 is really like the meat of... Well, 16, uh, 17, 18. <laughs> well, right. But that's like, it, that's more... But not the leaving part. Right? But not the leaving part. And and mine was that I was raised to just... I, I was going to get married and have children. That's that's really That's really all there was to it. My parents are highly educated people. They certainly encouraged me to go to college... And if I had chosen to go to college and have a career, I was, I felt fully confident and comfortable in doing that. I have siblings who have done that. It's not like my parents were, were like only telling me I had to get married and have kids, but that is what I gravitated towards for whatever reason. And I can remember, in fact, I was thinking about this yesterday in preparation a little bit that I can remember walking around the neighborhoods of Springfield, Virginia, delivering newspapers at 5 30 6 o'clock in the morning I was probably 12 and I used to plan out so I had it all planned I was going to get married at 18 I was going to start having kids at 20 
I was going to have kids at 20, 22, 24, and 26. I was going to have two boys, two girls. They had names. I used to look through magazines and cut out pictures and like make like little families out of pictures. Like it really? was planned. This is what I was going to do. I was going to get married and I was going to have kids. And Success. I, right. I did it. <laughs> I did it. That's right. I am a winner. So I, and I don't know if, I don't, because children are children and their brains are not fully developed. I don't know why this is the thing that happened to me. Like, I don't know if it was like, I felt like this was some sort of easy path. And so I gravitated towards all of that from the church, all of that sort of rhetoric that they push of getting married and having kids. Because let's be honest, when you're having lessons as a 12 year old and a 13 year old about getting married in the temple, like it's pretty easy for you to just daydream and to grab like, and to think that that's just what you're supposed to do. Right. And there's also lessons about other things. But my point is, is like, that's where my brain was. And so it was easy for me to narrow in on all of that information that was fed to me for the next seven years. So I got married at 19, started having kids at 23, 22. So I'm like already behind. Right. I never thought that actually, but anyway, all of this rambling to say my first moment that sort of led to us leaving the church was I had, I was 28 years old. I had three children and I was miserable. Like I have never been miserable before. I probably had postpartum depression. I will not, I will not blame it on that or give that the power that other people might to explain this away. But I had a moment where I thought to myself, I had up till this point, I had thought for 28 years that God cared how many kids I had and that the Mormon church cared about how many kids I had and that how many kids I had was in some way associated with my righteousness. And I had a moment in our living room with three children, as miserable as it gets, that God did not care how many kids I had. And that was, for me, that was massive. That was like, that in and of itself was like letting go all on its own and me turning away from something that I had thought my whole life. Now, did I think I needed to have 10 children or be like the Duggars and just literally continue to procreate until I couldn't? No, that had not been my plan. But I sort of had this preconceived four or five kids is the minimum I should have to be a righteous, worthy Mormon. And here I was with three kids and I had the distinct impression, God does not care how many children you have and you do not need to have any more children. And that was the beginning. Of the end. <laughs> slash right. beginning. <laughs> slash beginning of the beginning. The One of the other experiences, and it's not necessarily one experience, but a group of experiences, was having a group of people in our local congregation, in our, in our ward, that were also in faith transition. Yeah. And... What's interesting about that is I'm thinking about that. So having a group of people to normalize doubt and questions and having a group of people to talk to made it much easier to start asking more questions and start investigating a little more. And whereas before I had thought that if you read anything outside of church sanctioned material, right, that, that 
And they tell you that. Like, you're and, not and allowed. And it's true. Like, it's you're, true. Like, allowed isn't the right word, but you are strongly encouraged and suggested to not read anything outside of their approved curriculum. And there's right. a reason for that. Right. Because that is definitely what, and we'll talk about that in a second, what eventually left led me to leave the church. But this group of people was very influential in normalizing questions and doubts yeah. and getting together and discussing things. And one Which is of the also people, why they don't want you to talk about it, right? Because this is what will happen. Right. You start to discuss it amongst yourselves and there, there starts to be some momentum to be, um, I don't, I don't know if necessarily leave the church, but definitely like Mean. want to see change or, sure. or, Develop your own ideas, I guess. And I get, like, I would say that it always develops into leaving, but it doesn't, as we know, obviously. Right. The group with which we are referring, we are the only ones who've left. Yeah, all of them still still go. go. So it's not, it's not a foregone conclusion. No, it's not. One of the earliest experiences I remember of that was sitting in the living room of one of the couple's houses. And this is... Before 2013, somewhere between 8 and 13, where the wife was talking about Brigham Young and her distaste for him. Oh, yeah. And I'd never heard anyone talk about Brigham Like, I don't know. He was a prophet of the church. I didn't know anything about him, much less that he could be someone that, like... Turns out. Did things that, like, made him an asshole. Like, I didn't know that. he was a raging misogynist. Right. And so, like... that environment was interesting for me to hear for the first time because I'm like, oh, like there are things I don't know about church history. There are specific lives that these people led. And it made sense to me. I'm like, obviously, I never read the history. I also remember at that time... I always thought it was like a funny, quirky thing about her that she hated him, but I don't know that I thought anything else of it. um, Well, I remember at that same time, I believe there was some discussion of Prop 8, gay marriage, something like for the first time I'd kind of said it to other Mormons and there was some acceptance of the ideas like, Oh, like not necessarily like, yeah, like that's right. More, more like, yeah, I don't know. It's a difficult situation. What should we, what should we do? And so that's just one of the experiences I, but that was early on, but later on this, uh, this group of people that we used to get together with fairly often was very influential and just allowing me to ask questions and to doubt Right. And spend literally hours and hours, at least with some of these people, reading books, discussing them, and just being devastated, honestly. It was, it was amazing. Having our faith completely decimated by history. Yeah. It, it, and that's not... A lot, a lot of people, the reason they leave the church is because of the historical inaccuracies that you're taught. That is part of it for me. It is not the thing there are a lot of contributing factors, but having that group discussion about those kind of things and being able to vent and be angry about it and to really mourn the loss of this perfect faith that, that I had. So that was, that's my second thing. Absolutely. Well, I will sort of combine my, I'm going to add on to something I said or did missed on saying before and into my next thing. But one of the reasons that, it was impactful for me that I was so miserable and that I was sort of released of this idea that I had to continue to have more children was because I had been one of the messages and things I had gravitated towards was that my purpose on the earth was to be a mother and that that is where I would find joy. And I 
have lots of people in my life who had children to that point that I'm sure would have given me an honest depiction of what it was like to be a mother. And I'm sure they wouldn't say it was all sunshine and roses, but just the idea that my children were the, like I was supposed to get married and have children. That was my purpose. And that it was supposed to bring me joy. And I was so miserable. Like that is sort of like the bigger point on that one. Um, the other thing is that, and I will kind of couple these things together is we had this group of friends and that was amazing to have those people and to talk to them. Um, at the time they were all men, which is not something I shy away from. It's a situation in which I'm very comfortable and I actually, um, enjoy and most times prefer. But around the same time, I also found Shelly, who is one of my best friends and, I was friends with her on Facebook. We had known each other like sort of randomly, like intermittently in different wards because we met in the same building. And I was, fr- I was friends with her on Facebook because if you know Shelly, she's friends with everyone she's ever met on Facebook. And she, <laughs> so we were friends and, and she posted something about, I can't remember now. I went, I went back today and tried to look, but it was something about polygamy, something about Joseph Smith, like some sort of historical inaccuracy. Well, historical accuracy that the church has inaccurate, something like that. And I read between the lines like I often do and was like, okay, this woman is dealing with some of the same shit that I'm dealing with. And so I sent her a message and we met on like, we went and got frozen yogurt on a random weekday in May of 2015. So this is, I guess, skipping ahead a little bit, but like May of 2015. And we've been best friends ever since it was very clear from the start that we were dealing with the same kind of things. She had seven children and was miserable. So she bought in way harder than I did. Um, and there were just a lot of things about her life and the way that she was living her life in the Mormon church that were really damaging and awful to her. We have very different histories and I, obviously it's not my place to give her history, but it is one that is so interesting and, and so full of sadness and light and joy and heartbreak and being able to connect with her and to see that there was someone else that felt the same way that I felt was incredible. And that sort of all led to like becoming a feminist and, and finding this, this root and this desire in me for sisterhood and womanhood in a way that Mormonism did not provide because it's always under the shadow of the priesthood leadership. It's, it can't ever stand on its own. And I just got to the point where it needed women need to be able to stand on their own and not under some other, um, under some other umbrella. And so that was sort of my second massive experience that led. to. So my third one is specifically ordained women and the only reason I call it that is because that's what the that campaign was. The larger, was. That was, yeah, it's that was the larger movement that, that brought way. it that brought it to my attention that there there were some issues, and becoming a feminist myself, not necessarily always great at being a feminist, but something I do consider myself. But ordained women brought to my attention the leadership and that women aren't represent aren't represented, and then. 
I, and I don't know if we had conversations with our daughters then, but we didn't. Uh, but they were not, too young. But still, while we were in, I feel like Sammy would ask questions. Well, Sammy's always asked questions, right? So that is but for sure. Starting to understand my daughter's role and how they were going to fit into the patriarchy, both in civilization in general and then specifically in the church, was a major problem for me. Yep. And I, so that happened. The, the year in polygamy podcast series was happening at some point oh, during sure. those years yeah. where you start to learn about all these women that were involved in polygamy and their stories. And then you realize that the Mormon scriptures still support polygamy in the, yeah. in the Doctrine and Covenants. Yes, any Mormon it's, that says they don't practice polygamy doesn't, right, it's doesn't, still, doesn't realize that polygamy after death, which they 100% do still believe in, that's... That's what people, like when people say, do you believe in polygamy or do you practice polygamy? And as a Mormon, I used to answer, no, of course not. We don't. That's a lie. If you believe that in the afterlife, which you guys are living for at this point, like eternal life in the celestial kingdom is what it's all about. There's polygamy there. So you cannot honestly answer that you don't believe in polygamy if you believe that. Well, but also the section of the Doctrine and Covenants is doctrinally sound that you could still practice polygamy. Yeah. So, So, anyway, all of these things started making me think about women in a different way, which... I didn't do as a as a Mormon man. It was that was not my that was not at the front of my thoughts. And so, having all these different perspectives brought to me and this pain shared with me started to make me think in a different way about women and their roles in the church and how that would affect my daughters. And eventually, our kids were definitely a big reason for leaving the church. That was not my, just it was my reason, right? Not just feminist issues although that is a big thing uh a number of other things mostly surrounding shame and sex and yeah. I, I don't know uh, I, as hard as has been to sort of raise our kids on our own it still was a we still agree that that was a better way than bringing them up in mormonism specifically daughters in an anti-woman organization. I, I think so. And I believe that they are anti-woman. I, I believe that. When women cannot hold positions of power, they, they are not equal. And I don't, I, I don't know how you can... I don't know either. I don't remember. Yeah, I like can't even put myself back into that mind frame of defending that or seeing some other way. Well, and that. we don't have to anymore. Right. But it is a good time to dis- to say that... We're. This is all our memory and recollection of past events. So it is not necessarily accurate. It's no, through, it's, through a new yeah, lens. It is. But yeah. we have tried to reach back to our old writings and feelings about right and these like things. about the ordained women thing. It's funny because one of the things I did write and that I read today was that I saw both sides and I remember around the same around the time that there was the first demonstration. Um, that Kate Kelly led around the priesthood session, like trying to enter priesthood session and being denied around that time. Um, it must've been, it was a podcast. I don't remember if it was Mormon stories or Mormon matters. I'm positive. It was one of those two, but one of those two had basically three women from the ordained women side and three women who 
were self-declared Mormon feminists. Mormon feminists. And so they both like gave their side of things. And I remember listening and like totally understanding both sides. Now, of course, I am an angry, I am, I am firmly and happily would classify myself as an angry ex-Mormon feminist. That is a, that is my position and I own it completely. Um, but anyway, I remember, yeah, I remember that and being sort of like, was Fiona oh, Givens on that podcast? Fiona Givens was 100% on that podcast. She's the only one of the three Mormon feminists that I can remember the name of off the top of my head. Interesting. If there's anything progressive at all, the Givens are involved all the time, always, because they are wonderful. Progressive in quotes. Right, because we're progressive, progressive right? <laughs> pro- progressive for Mormonism. Progressive for Mormonism, right. Which is the space that they occupy, and they occupy it well. But anyway, my third thing, and this sort of piggybacks on the kids again, it's all the kids for me. It was having the kids that was the problem, and now it was the reason that I like left was for the kids. I don't consider myself to be a very selfless mother, and one of the... One of the things I did for my children, both selflessly and selfishly, was to take them out of that religion. I so my last like actual experience that I can remember was we had been we had been what you would classify classify as less active, I guess, for about a year. Um, although I don't know that I would go so far as to say less active. We never missed a whole month. <laughs> I think that the like if you're at what's, two what's, of four, I think I was you're fine. Say, what's like the step above, like the step from? Well, you have inactive, you have less active. We were definitely uh, in the... we were in between active and less active. I don't know that I would put a put we a weren't faithful. We went from whatever the in between of active to less active to not active. Like we jumped all the way over. But we anyway, from less to in. So we were going. We were going more often than we weren't. That's what I'll say. We were going more often than we were not going, but we were missing some, which had never been something that we had done in the 12, or I guess at that point, 10 years that we'd been married. Um, and we went one week and I, I said, we were going to go all three hours for the next, I don't even know. You said in the email today, it was three weeks. I don't even remember if I gave a time. I was just like, we're going to start going for the whole three hours. Like we're going to do it. So we went the first week. And we actually made it through all three hours and then the entire drive home. And I'm sure for hours afterwards, I just complained and cried and screamed the entire way about everything that I'd heard. And I couldn't believe that this was like, that people were saying these things and that they believed it. And it just seemed so, just so crazy to me. And so that happened. And then we went the second week and the second week was fast and testimony meeting. And I walked, I heard two testimonies, which I will briefly summarize. One was a woman who was talking about her children fasting because it was fasting testimony meeting and the youngest didn't want to fast. And the older brother said, well, you don't have to fast, but then there's blessings that you're not going to get. And I heard that and was like, what is wrong with people? Like, what is wrong with you that like, you think that that's the way that God works? That if, if this eight year old kid doesn't fast, that he is going, blessings are going to be withheld from him. Blessings. Anyway, I could go on and on about that sentence alone. And then a man stood up right behind her and Natalie was about to turn eight. 
Like she was like a month away from being eight. And we were really wrestling with what we were going to do. Oh, not even a month. It was within the month. It was within the month. That's right, because it was the first Sunday of March. You're right. Um, We were wrestling with whether or not we were going to baptize her and what we were going to do. And this man stood up, and his son had just turned eight. And he was saying how he was so glad that his son had made the decision to get baptized. And he was so glad that his son was going to be given the Holy Ghost so that the Holy Ghost could help him make the right decisions. And I just thought, I, I, can't, I can't do this. I cannot do this. I cannot raise my children thinking that they have a fairy godmother on their shoulders helping them make right decisions. And therefore, the people who don't have that don't have the advantage and don't have the help and don't have the common decency and wherewithal to make right decisions. And this is coming from me, who is an extremely judgmental and black and white person, and I acknowledge those things, but I, I couldn't perpetuate that in my kids. Like, I could not let them, and maybe they would not have thought those things. There's many Mormons who don't, but I couldn't take the chance that they would. Well, and more importantly than that, it strips them of their power to make their own decisions and be confident that they made the right decisions because that is where the power is. And specifically with girls, they need to know that they are right. They can make decisions. Right. They're powerful beings. So I walked out of that room. I walked out of the chapel and I'm sure you were in the hallway with JC because he was at that age where he just cried all the time. And I walked out and I looked at you and I said, we got to go. And we left and we got in the car and I said, I'm never going back there. And we went back once. (laughs) We went back once. Caveat that. For Andrew's homecoming. It was your brother's homecoming. We would not have gone for any other reason. And we haven't gone for any other reason. That was March 6th of 2016. Yeah. Um, I think we should get into my, I'll, I'll just share my last two. Um, one of them is the church when, a lot of the stuff on the internet started being passed around. Uh, the history of the church, a lot of scholarship was being done. A lot of people were getting involved in the Joseph Smith papers. And like a, just a lot of different facts were coming out about the history of the church. The church tried to get ahead of that by putting out essays on various different topics, including blacks were, in the priesthood. There were six. There's when more we, than, yeah. Like when, when they first became like publicized and when we read them all and it became like a thing in these like faith crisis communities with which we were a part of, there were six. I'm for sure on that. Well, the two that I remember are Blacks in the Priesthood and Polygamy. Yeah. And the, the Polygamy one, and I already knew this because I had read some other things, but the fact that Joseph Smith was a polygamist and had married a 14-year-old girl, I did not know that prior to this time in my life. That was not... I didn't even know he was a polygamist at all. Right. I would have said, no, he wasn't. That that started with Brigham Young. So that, that was a bit of a shock to me to learn those things coming from the church. Yeah. So that was one thing. And then the other thing was Blacks in the Priesthood. And while the church tried to disavow prior racism, they never apologized for the racism that right. that that happened in the church. And so those are just two historical issues that would that that caused me 
to pause and think about what I knew about the church. And that led me down a path of basically consuming everything I could find. Uh, a lot of podcast books, articles on the church, a lot of scholarship uh, research done on the history of the church and essentially coming out the other side, believing that this was no different than any other, other man-made religion religion that, that had ever been made. I mean, they're all man-made, I guess, but yeah. And I will stress again that the, the inaccurate or the, my inaccurate beliefs about the history of the church were not what led me out of the church. It was more the yes, um, the the issues with women and the way that they treated gay marriage, and basically just not trusting the leaders of the church to make good decisions for me in my life anymore. Those were my, the things that led me out. But and and we can get to where we are now later. But the historicity of the church and seeing the actual facts just added to that saying there's a lot of things that are just right. that are either aren't true or this is a different story or a different way of twisting it to, well, and that, to say something else. Like that was, that was foundation rocking for a lot of people. I mean, there yeah. were like the, the essays so, specifically. The essays specifically. Yeah. So I, we were both cause you were in the Facebook group, right? Yeah. There's a Facebook group that we were both a part of that was specifically for people who were going through faith crisis and dealing with who were trying to stay doubt and, and make question. it work. Yeah. Stay and make it work. And it was hugely impactful. And I can't lie and say that it didn't, aid in in the process of us leaving and I don't who can say if it sped it up or not I don't know I believe and I and I told you this there was there was a moment in 2013 where you went to an event and I have since told you that I knew from the minute you went to this thing that we were going to leave I didn't know how long it was going to take I didn't know what that was going to look like but I knew at that moment that that was the beginning of the end and anyway so this this Facebook group I was, was like, to contrast that, I didn't have a clue. No, you didn't I have went a clue. there looking to hear from the authors and feeling bad for the people that were asking Dealing, questions yeah. about faith crisis, not knowing the people that I actually went with were going through the same thing. Right. But at the time, I was like, oh, these four people don't have testimonies anymore. They don't believe anymore. Not knowing that literally a few weeks later, It would just later, all start to crumble. Yeah. And anyway, the essays were huge, and there were there were tons of people who who had found out about the essays and honestly, like they read about the essays and it was over for them. Like their, their faith and their trust in the church and their belief was gone. And there were people who thought that this, that the church's website had been hacked and that this information was put on by, by people who were trying to push anti-material. I remember even having a conversation with my own mother in October of, I guess it would have been 2015, in October of 2015, telling her about these essays and showing her, and even she didn't believe me and didn't think that they were from, that this was real, that it was really on LDS.org, that these essays existed and that the church was admitting to any wrongdoing or any lies that they had told. And, and I also remember having a conversation with one of my sisters actually that same October and, and talking about the lies that have been told about Joseph Smith, not as far as the polygamy, but as far as like the translating the book of Mormon and stuff. And it's like the story that they're telling is crazy 
And the truth, in quotes, is also crazy. So why lie? Like, I don't understand. Anyway, it's all nuts. So why tell a lie from one crazy thing to another crazy thing? Like, none of it made sense. Like, it just was... And there are just still, obviously, still to this day, so many Mormons that don't know the the information. And I'm not even talking about getting information from other outside sources, but there are so many Mormons that don't even get all of the information that their own church is providing because they don't publicize it. It's not like they're like, no, oh, go read these essays. Like there were bishop and stake president after bishop and stake president who people would come to them and tell them, and they had no idea right. what these people were even talking about. Right, which leads me to my last reason and that is the corporate nature of the church i am generally anti-corporate i work for a corporation (laughs) anti-establishment i work for a corporation that supports the government um but in my heart i am against those things i feel like it takes the humanity out of us it does and religion should be a spiritual thing it should not involve um, money and bureaucracy. It, it should be this reaching for the transcendent, a very ethereal and beautiful and personal thing. And when I started to question other things, I started to see the church as a large corporation organization that was just protecting itself with not distributing the information about the essays, not encouraging people to um, ask questions, not oh, encouraging personal to, well, spirituality. To to insert your your gay agenda, <laughs> they also have a website. I don't know if they still do, but they had oh. a website called mormonsandgays.org. And on the website, it clearly states that being gay is not a choice. Yeah, and I you remember... are born that way. And there are still Mormons to this day that don't believe that and that don't know that the website even exists because the church does not publicize this information. I had a lengthy discussion slash argument with a friend of mine saying, that's not true. And I said, yeah, go look and you will see. Yeah. And they did. And they have since had their own belief issues. Right. But it was like, I was learning all this information and somewhat naively thinking that people knew about it and didn't care i I don't know i don't know what i thought either but anyway the the corporate nature of the church the way that they use their finances was a big issue for me the fact that they build malls and retirement communities and own we have known the biggest landowner in the state of florida Florida. we have known many a finance clerk to lose their faith and leave the church over the way that they see how much money the church brings in and how little they are actually doing (laughs) right the buildings are all shitty nothing gets repaired nothing gets done the church employees don't get paid shit i mean it's just for what for what well because they are a corporation and because they're buying land in florida well they're buying land they're they're building malls they're building malls they're doing other investments and this is i mean this data now is like I know. Well, However many years right, old. Right. But just that general sentiment of it being a corporation and protecting itself as in, as its own entity was offensive to me. And then and, they kicked Digger out of the first presidency. Well, that's a whole, <laughs> a whole separate issue. But that was probably an, another one of the combined things. So all of these things combined yeah. are why we left. Um, we've kind of talked about some of the materials that we yeah, that we of, read, but is there pod- anything major um, that you would? Lots of podcasts. I mean, Mormon stories, Mormon matters. If if you are familiar at all with uh, 
the doubting and uh, what's the word I'm transition. looking for? The transition, but I'm looking for like uh, oh, I can't think of it. But John Dolan is like the oh, I'm totally botching it, but like. The, the patron saint of the, doubt. Well, he is the well. He's not the patron. I don't. I wouldn't call him the saint of anything. But he like <laughs> if you're into like the drama of the Mormon Church and like the I can't think of another word for that. But like like he, the tabloids. Yeah, like he. I mean, he's that, <laughs> any any issue that's ever come up. Any, any issue that's ever come up. Any misstep a, they've ever he's made. Over it. Yeah. And and I don't love him and what he stands for. And I don't. He's done good work in that support area. Him, but, but he was huge like it was to to be able to hear week in and week out for a significant portion of time to be able to hear other people who were going through what we were going through and I, I mean shared experience is all there is we just want to be known as people and so to be able to have that was huge there was another one called Mormon Matters which was really great it's funny because I looked some of these up recently and all of these people are still doing these podcasts like Dan Witherspoon is still doing the Mormon Matters podcast and whatever the guy Bill Reel who did the Mormon discussion podcast which I used to listen to too like he's still doing that really podcast. yes wow and I don't know how like I mean I do know how on the one hand because I can talk about this forever but I don't know how because like I think they still go and I just don't know how these people are on this outside of belief and in this more like mystical and like outer space not outer space, but like outer <laughs> space. Yeah, maybe maybe also outer space. Like how they can continue to go. And I don't know. I used to think I could understand. Like there were times when we were struggling with whether or not we were going to leave or stay when I thought if we didn't have kids, we could stay. Like right. we could find a way to make it work. We know, we know an older couple where the, the husband, their, their kids are grown and gone. And he would rather not be there. But when it's just him, it's not that big of a sacrifice. Like, he can make it work. Right. And to whatever def- way you define work, he can make it work. But I could not do that. I open my mouth too much. I'm angry. I'm right. bitter. Right. Our kids, our kids would be othered. Our kids would be othered. My, like, and I've had people say to me, like, well, you could just drink coffee and you could just drink alcohol and you could come anyway. And I'm like, yeah, so that my kids can go to primary and get lessons about the word of wisdom and how drinking coffee and alcohol is bad for you, but they know that I do it. Like, I'm not going to do that to my kids. Yeah, there was too much, too much dissonance, cognitive dissonance. I'm not doing those mental gymnastics. With children. And I'm not going to make my kids do them. Like, I'm just not doing that. I grew up by the book. And because I grew up by the book, it made my life within Mormonism very easy. I didn't have these like, but we did something else that like, but sometimes I am allowed to play in soccer games on Sunday. Like, no, that didn't happen. Right. Me either. So my life within my life outside of Mormonism was different, but my life in Mormonism was very easy because I followed all the rules. Anyway, you asked me about media. That's all I've got for you. I did read some books, but not a lot. You read more. The first book I read was The God Who Weeps, which is which is by Terrell and Fiona Givens. And it's very like Mormon on Mormon on doctrine. Like it doesn't it's not does not have a lot of like outside opinions, but even within using the Mormon scriptures it made god so much bigger and more powerful and more expansive and i really like that idea of god so much so that at some point i believe like 
I think I've told you this before, but I was running one day during oh, this yeah. time yeah. where, and I had this strong feeling, what the Mormons would call the spirit, but just a very overwhelming feeling that I was God and that we were all God. And that kind of stemmed from that book and just like the, the power of God. I felt like that started to make me feel like Mormons had narrowed God into this small box and confined him in this way i i don't believe in god at all anymore but right that at the time seemed wrong to me that we were confining god to this small set of definitions when he could be so much more more big and beautiful and that book um kind of led me down that path right and they had multiple books um the crucible of doubt we got and we read um the god who weeps it's really funny to me that my brother actually sent us that book but he sent us that book he sent me that book for my birthday in like 2012 a year or more before any of this started and we didn't even pick it up so it's not like we picked up the book and that that's what led to it but like it's funny because i have two funny connections like that so my brother sent us that book and that was sort of a pivotal thing for us and also i'm sure i would have found him anyway but the first time i ever heard of john delin was because my sister recommended a one of his podcasts and now she thinks that he is the literal antichrist. So it always makes me laugh whenever he comes up and she says that about him because he, she was who introduced me to him. Well, he had Jennifer Finlayson, he had Jennifer Pfeiffer, Finlayson a sex Pfeiffer. therapist, right? Yeah, she's a Mormon sex therapist and is the only one really doing that work in that place. And it's necessary work in that place. But again, someone else that I'm just like, how do you go? Like, how are you going? How yeah. are you doing this? I mean, she's doing amazing work being within the circle, but I just... Ugh, gross. Another book that I read was David O. McKay and the Rise of Mormon, modern. Rise of Modern Mormonism, yeah. and it's by topic. So it talks about blacks in the priesthood. It talks about communism. It talks about a bunch of different stuff. But the most influential thing about that book was just seeing the inner workings and the politics of church leadership, and seeing that they were very human and very opposed on different ideas, and it was very much they were very much a product of their time just as yeah. they are now. Like these old white guys have old white guy ideas. Yep. And it, it started to make me realize that it was so much more earthly than revelation. What was going on with those people. And at that time, and you know, my root doubt is that the leaders know what they're doing or they know more than they know better than I do what I'm doing in my life. That is my root sort of cause for leaving the church. And so that added to understanding that they don't know any better than I do. Right. The only other one I have is um, No Man Knows My History, which is a historical uh, telling of Joseph Smith's story, which includes all the things about about him that are unsavory. Yeah. um, And, you know, paint him to be a con man. And it's it's, it's biased for sure. But some of the facts have been confirmed or were confirmed to me after reading that book and so it kind of put it all together and that just put him in a new light as of as a possible mystic i i I still to this day try to think of him as possibly being a mystic and not just a con man um but i think that he took mushrooms well in the sacred grove and then so i believe like i believe in the purity of that experience and then I think because of the purity of that experience, he had to figure out a way I don't, to make it all I don't even know how something. you believe in the purity of that experience because that experience I, was told so many different ways. Well, and I literally <laughs> just 
like said those words and had those thoughts for the first time right now. So I haven't really thought it out. <laughs> anyway, but... <laughs> in my best moments, I still try to think of him as a mystic and possibly reaching for the transcendent. And he did not intend for this to become this thing that it's become. Um, the Brigham Young is to blame for that. But even so, like he so still funny. was like, there are other things in his life that he yeah. did that were uh, unacceptable. For sure. So anyway, so that, so that, yeah, I mean, the, um, honestly, the, the podcast and the Facebook group were the, were the biggest media sources. And I cannot recommend to people who are struggling or questioning or anything enough that you have to find people that there are people you are not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. There are people who understand better than you can even imagine. And if it means reaching out to us to find these people or just like find the person who is reading Find the person like, at church who doesn't wear a tie. <laughs> find the person at church who doesn't wear a tie. Find the woman at church who wears pants. Look at what people are reading because don't just believe them that they're reading their scriptures. Like, actually look at what they're reading. We have another... <laughs> One of the funniest instances of two of our friends is that... What was... One saw that another was reading an author that he knew something about and was like, hey, what are you reading Yeah, there? yeah, yeah. And like, that's what you have to do, right? Like, you just have to read between the lines and you have to find people because there are people and there are tons of people. And that's what we all need is people. Yeah. And then, so that's sort of been enlightening in our departure from the church is understanding that there is a wide range of belief. There is. Not just the orthodox because these... orthoprax that we grew up knowing. Right. But there is a range of people believing different things. It's just when you go to church on Sunday, no one's speaking about that because it's right. not allowed. It's not allowed. Because the people that we know and the people that were closest to us as we went through this, they all still go. None of them believe they all still go, and within their own respective ways, they have their own levels of belief and the way that they're handling it. But that's my point, is that I guarantee you that there are people in every ward that are just like that. Absolutely. Who have reasons for why they still go. And I think everyone should leave, because that's who I am. You're a burn-it-down kind of person. I'm a burn-it-down, black-and-white, authentic-at-all-costs kind of person, and so I believe that no one should go. But... I recognize that the very reason that I want to, well, not the, not the reason, but one of the reasons that I left is because I believe that everybody has their own path. And so that also tells me that I have to allow for some people's path to be staying. And that's difficult for me, but I try because I love those people and I want to love them and not be mad at them for not joining me on my side of the bridge. And so... For some people, their path is to stay. Yeah, and we've seen, I mean, a large portion of people that we've kind of left with, um, sp- specifically marriages, have broken up. Yeah. Families I have mean, been they damaged. Don't, they don't always work. Yeah, I mean, it, they rarely work. Um, I think we're somewhat of an anomaly at this point, um, having yeah. left the church completely. And I think we're lucky in that, that we kind of stayed on the same page. And that's more to do with our extreme communication probably right. than anything well and the else. fact that we really did it together because that's the thing is like i look at the other like at the well, other couples I that mean, I, the other couples that we know and like they shelly and brent are a different example they're a different situation but the other couples that we know like I, I don't know i just don't know that they were necessarily on the same page so that plays into it but anyway that doesn't really matter um what are you most glad to have left behind 
the rules and expectations like this just like these arbitrary rules that some man made up or or expectations that someone made up that they thought was the best idea and maybe that was the best idea for them but that that I don't have to live that way because I only I know the best path for me yeah and so I think that's the thing I'm most glad to have left behind a close second is probably tithing (laughs) (laughs) um and supporting an organization that I don't agree with that's funny um what about you so I have like a fun one and and a more real one so the fun one is for sure the word of wisdom oh yeah like I mean the idea that I can't drink coffee or have two cup like two cocktails tonight, like come on, like just get out of my face with that. Like I just can't. And it's so like, especially it was funny because what always comes up when I have conversations with people about this is like, well, can't does that mean you can like drink like Mormons can drink like Red Bull and like five hour energy? I'm like, yep, sure does. Also means they can take as much Vicodin as their doctor prescribes them too, or as much Oxy or as much whatever, like. If we're pretending in any way that that shit is not way worse for you than a glass of wine and a cup of coffee, like, just get out of my face. Well, and a glass of wine and a cup of coffee become very important when you have existential angst after you stop believing in God. Absolutely. <laughs> you need you need some substances to help right. you through the day. So that's sort of my fun one. Um, but the real one is... And I am not doing a good job of illustrating that I've overcome any of this on this podcast, but the, the righteous, I will say the righteous judgment with which I felt I was entitled to. I, I, I am a black and white person. It is extremely difficult for me on a daily basis to remember that I cannot put myself or I, or I, I don't understand everyone's circumstances And as much as I might try to put myself in other people's shoes, I don't always do a very good job of that. And so I have harsh judgments on people. The difference is, is that now I know that that is me and that I need to overcome those judgments that I'm having on people. Whereas before I felt like my church, my religion, my belief system backed me up in that judgment that I maybe shouldn't be the one that was doing the judging, but that my judgment was correct. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I'm sure I would have said, like, it's not my place to judge. That's only God's place or Jesus. I don't know the difference because that's another reason why I left. <laughs> um, but I, I'm sure I would have said that it wasn't my place to judge, but I still was doing it and I still felt like my judgment was correct. Right. If you, you if so and so, yeah, if so and so was doing X, Y, and Z, I felt like it was appropriate to judge them and know exactly why they were doing that or whatever it was. Like, I mean, the 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 examples are endless with the kinds of judgments that I had, including people who only had three kids. Right. Which was part of why I had to let go of that for myself. The idea that I was a Mormon who was only going to have three kids was unacceptable to me. And Mormons who only have two kids, What's wrong with <gasps> they must have struggled with infertility. Yeah. Like they must have like just the ridiculous <laughs> things that I used to think about people. Right. Because we didn't, we didn't think our own thoughts. We, no. we let, no. we let the I, yeah. religion determine and everything. I, and I, I take ownership of that. I'm not blaming the religion. There are lots. I am I mean, absolutely blaming them. Well, the so, doctrine completely supports that kind of shit. Well, thank you for being kind because I actually <laughs> agree with you, but there are people that 
I, I don't know. I get backed into a corner sometimes where I feel like I'm like, where, I mean, where people say, because how many times have we had this argument? Like, it's not the, it's not the doctrine. It's the culture. The culture is what propagates that. It's not the doctrine. And although that maybe to the letter of the law is true, although that could be argued, it may be true. The culture is the religion at this point. I mean, like, the people are the, the religion, right? The people are the religion. The culture is the religion. And so I don't care that the doctrine doesn't tell me if you have three kids, you're not a good Mormon. I know that the idea is if you only have three kids, you're not a good Mormon. Like, that, I mean... I, I don't know. Whatever. Well, That's how fault- I felt. So I could be an alien and the only person on earth that feels that way. I mean, and you're obviously he, not. I know I'm not. I know but I'm not. But f- even if I was, that that in and of itself, the Mormons shouldn't want me to be Mormon if that's the case. Well, they, they don't. No, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, they definitely don't. The fault, the fault is in the strict interpretation and not taking personal responsibility for our lives in Mormonism. That's where our fault lies. But we didn't know that that was an option. Right. We didn't know that we could take and give whatever we wanted. And to, to some extent, it's not. It's a very uh, rule-centric religion where if you are not following all the rules and honestly res- telling people that you follow the rules, then you are not there, in the highest standing. Yeah, I mean, there are people who do whatever they want. And I resent those people because as someone who was in, I did not like them because they were not in enough. And as someone who was out... I do not like them. Like, I, I don't like fence sitters. I don't like it. Shit or get off the pot. Like, either buy in and be all in the way that I was and give the blood, sweat, and tears that I gave or get the fuck out. And this is where I have not succeeded <laughs> in recovering from my judgment. I just switched from one to another. I, I literally did. I went from black to white. That's... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm guilty, and I, I know, but I, I'm trying. I go back and forth. Like today, uh, a friend of mine sent me the the quote that says, "If you're silent in the face of the oppressor, then you're actually um, culpable in in um, hurting the victim." Something, yeah, I'm something guessing that I know who sent that to you. <laughs> um, and so. So some days I'm like, yeah, if you're supporting this organization that's doing this damage specifically to women, um, LGBT people, like if you're if you're supporting this organization, that's wrong. And on other days I'm like, eh, I mean, if you decide how you associate with it, maybe that's okay. I but know. I know. At the same time, I mean, obviously I made my decision and I'm I'm happy with it, but. I, I don't know. It, it's right. a, it's a complex situation dealing with individuals and how they relate to right. So I just switched from judging people on one side to judging people on the other. But the point is, is that I, the thing I am most glad to have left behind is that I I own that and I cannot pass the buck onto anyone else for supporting that judgment. There's there is nobody and nothing that is telling me that this is acceptable behavior. So this is unacceptable behavior that I need to change. And I felt differently before. And I'm glad to have left You felt behind. justified before. I felt justified before. And, and now it's something that I need to work on. So the last thing that I'll say that I'm glad I left behind, kind of is part of that, but the divisions between people, the us and them, I'm glad to leave that behind. It makes things a little more difficult to think of everyone as one. But my, my the real thing I wrote down was that 
now God no longer has to be narrow and confined to this box. Not that I believe in him anymore, but, or her, or it. Um, I mean, if it's, if there's God, it's definitely a woman. Maybe, unless, it, unless the God, <laughs> the God that we know from the Old Testament is real, then it's probably a man. He's a dick. Well, for sure. Well, if any of the gods from any of the religious, <laughs> religious. books are real, then he's a dick. <laughs> anyway, um, but leaving has allowed me to expand my connection to all people, all things, nature, etc., yeah. and see all of us as connected beings. And there is no division in anything anything that causes a division between energy sources between beings is wrong and yeah. because the point is to connect that's the only way we don't feel alone that's the only way that we can get through this existential issue why do we have consciousness i don't know <laughs> but i do know that connecting with other beings helps me through being a conscious human being yep and so anything that divides us, which is what the Mormon church was for me, um, is wrong. And come, I'm glad to have left that behind and yeah. at least attempt to connect to all I, things. Right. I had to leave to be a better person. Yeah, I had me to too. Le- I had to leave to know that there are other reasons for why people do things and they can't be... There's not this checklist of five things and it's sin, guilt and whatever else I don't know but yeah I had I had to leave and I even though I do have those moments of harsh judgment and and I think I do a pretty good job of apologizing to those friends who I have berated mercilessly um and and they're kind that they they understand where I'm coming from too but I yeah I'm doing better and I am I am a much kinder person now yeah the only i i I am too i just now the group of people i have the most difficulty with is mormons like trying to connect to them i have an incredibly just because i feel so damaged and so conflicted about all of that and lately i have been trying to kind of reach back to that time and understand a little better and maybe look at the positives which probably didn't come out in this podcast at all Mm -hmm. but i have been trying a little harder because i want to have a spirituality and i now can't find it because of the damage that was done with knowing everything and then turning around and not knowing anything. So yep. anything else you want to say about that? No. Talk about just okay things about leaving. Yeah. Just okay. Things about leaving. Most of my interactions have been just okay. (laughs) Um, we, I guess we should say, like, in sort of where we are now, like, we officially removed our names, which is, I mean, not that there are lots of public places for me to give that out that information, but that's the first, this is the first time I have publicly said that. Um, I'm not sure if my family's aware of that or not. And we removed our names, and that has removed a lot of the just okay interactions. Um... The just okay part about leaving is that life is still life and it's still hard and it's still parenting is still difficult and marriage is still difficult and being a human is still difficult. Um, Would you say it's harder now than before? I would say it's different now than it was before. I, in the, I had a, I had a checklist of things that I knew to do before if I felt like things weren't going well. But 
that checklist of things, even doing, even reading my scriptures, saying my prayers, fasting, going to the temple, even doing all those things didn't obviously fix the problems. And so now, like, I'm not expecting some, I'm not expecting some fix. So it's not necessarily better or worse or easier or harder, but it's just, I just don't expect anything anymore. And I just felt entitled to things. And I, I thought that I knew the way things were supposed to go and what was supposed to happen. And, and having just everything be, I don't know. And having everything just be open is, I think it's better. I would say it's harder, but more rewarding. Because when you do have a breakthrough or a victory, it's yours. It's yours. And you worked hard for it. Yeah. And you found out the solution for and yourself. And you're not having to give the credit to anybody else. Right. It's it's you. It's yours. You're, yeah. you're the one doing the work it's and funny. you I, get the rewards. I think that was a big thing for me and I've, I have forgotten that. So that was a nice reminder. I have forgotten that that was one of my reasons too. That I wanted ownership of my own decisions and my own outcomes. Right. That is my reason. Yeah. Period. That's super true. Um, along with all the but other yeah, things. I don't, I don't know. I mean, overall, I think it was better than just okay. We're still, and this should be acknowledged too, is that we're still just two years out of this. Two and a half. Two and a half. We still talk about it a lot. We still argue, not with each other, but just sort of in general about things. We're still fairly connected to it. Like, my entire family is still in, so a lot of that is difficult for me, and and those sorts of like topics that just get brought up, or or things here and there, whatever. There's a baptism, there's a wedding, whatever, and that's that's hard for me. In yeah, and something that I need to be more focused on dealing with. Um, so I I don't know. It's I feel like we're still pretty new. Yeah, I think we're definitely very new in this and still trying to figure things out and learn. But Yeah, and I want to, like, I am the burn it down kind of person. And so I still stay connected to it somewhat from that perspective too. Like, I get fuel for the fire because there's some seriously fucked up shit happening and coming out about the church all the time. Because make no mistake, it's not any different than any other religion. Right. So there's buried, hidden, awful shit. Right. Run by men. Run by men. And it deserves to not be hidden and awful. And it deserves to not be explained away by people saying that was a man who made a bad decision. It's not the doctrine. It's not the gospel. Because at some point you have to stop blaming the person and you have to look higher and... Yeah, you have to look just, at the environment. You have to look it's, at the environment. You have to look at the culture the that fostered that because yeah. it wasn't created in a vacuum. So stop justifying it and explaining it away and deal with the problem and leave. <laughs> <laughs> always leave. Right. Yeah. I mean, I always like that. But even if you don't, I'll still hang out with you. Mm. If you like to drink. Yeah. <laughs> um... Okay, we can leave that now. I think so. We probably have some more to say later on that, another well, time. It comes up, so I'm sure we will. A homework from last week. I already I was, talked about I mine. I think mine was just that I was supposed to record that podcast and I didn't. So. F. Sorry. F plus. Did you see that Ackerman posted about Tenacious D? Where? On Twitter. 
Uh, I'm, not, I'm not back on Twitter. Oh, he, he tweeted a lyric from, or no, he said something about the Tenacious D album and then he hashtagged Junior Bacon Cheat. <laughs> and I replied with, and a Cherry's Jubilee. <laughs> <laughs> Cherry's Jubilee. Anyway. Small, because I'm watching my figure. Small, because I'm watching my figure. Uh, my yeah. homework was going off coffee. Good work. For a week. I've been off four days. I'm doubting I'm going to make it through tomorrow. We're going to IHOP tomorrow for breakfast. Don't burn it on that shitty coffee. I mean, that's the perfect coffee to burn it on. Oh, How why? good a cup of hot coffee that you didn't have to make is? Yeah, but it's IHOP shitty coffee. I mean, we've had it before and you're like, yeah, this is pretty good. I mean, I drink all <laughs> coffee, so yes, but I don't. I wouldn't break your fast on that. Okay. Um, I just want to feel better, and I feel like coffee's going to help me do that. Well, let's wait till tomorrow morning. Um, homework for next week. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't have anything. You don't want to commit to anything? I just don't know, like... There's been a lot of talk about social media fast and things I mean, lately. I did that last weekend, though, so, like, I don't... I gotta think about that. Maybe more permanent. Uh, let's just go move to the woods right now. Yeah. The only problem is we live in a great neighborhood. The best neighborhood. Where our kids have a lot of fun, and they really like it here. I know. Damn it. And we like it, too. We do. But, okay, no homework this week. Yeah, let's have a, let's have, let's have a week off. <laughs> we'll take a week off. I earned a break. Not really. I didn't even do my homework last week. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Big homework assignment next week. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's plan something big. All right. Is that okay. it? I think that's it. Right. I really appreciate it if anyone is... Yeah, if anyone has questions... Still listening to this. ...of any kind, I would love to answer them um, specifically on this topic, but... I really do my best at not yelling at people. I, re- I really try so hard. Sometimes I'm not very good. I apologize to those that I yell at. But if anybody wants to talk to me, I really will. We're the yin and yang. I will give you a hug yeah, and right. Diana will yell at you. That's so right. if you want a hug, right. come talk to me. If you want to be yelled at, which sometimes we need. Sometimes you need it. Diana will take care of that. And I try to read that situation and only yell when I feel like it. But she'll never needed. give you a hug, so. No, Heather's the only one I hug. Heather, I love you. <laughs> But I'll give you hugs. Oh, I hug Shelly, too. Yeah. All big right. Old, big old lesbians that make me hug them. Oh, uh, Heather? <laughs> She'll just get a kick out of that. <laughs> I bet she will. All right. We'll see you next week.